Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its fifth year, this show is hosted by Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us. We're going to have a, a very unusual program uh, uh, this week. Uh, some of you may know this is National Hearing uh, Impairment Week, and we have with us Bobby Lemire. She's here to talk about, uh, she's an employment consultant who focuses on serving those who are deaf and hard of hearing. Well, I'm hard of hearing. I only have one ear my, myself. And uh, I'm really anxious to to listen to her. But you, what you're going to um, have to understand is that I'm talking to, Bo- uh, to Bobby, and she's uh, uh, th- through the telephone, and she has a, a sign language interpreter. So if you uh, hear a little bit of a, a delay in between, that's her uh, hear, seeing what I'm saying. With that uh, caveat, and really looking forward, I welcome Bobby Lemire to the program. Hello and welcome. Hello. This is Bobby Lemire, and I am a work specialist at Tangram, working with deaf and hard of hearing populations since January 2017. Ah. So tell us what you do and how you do it. I work with the Voc Rehabilitation, and they give me authorization to work with the clients um, in the discovery and um, and milestones one and two. One meaning getting a job. And two meaning, um, like after a month of the job, we consider that stabilizing the job. And 
a discovery job is um, a process in which the client is trying to find out what they really want to do, like if they like the job, and then um, if they do, they can seek employment within that field. Okay. Well, is your client the uh, employee or the employer? Yeah, the employee. Okay. So, uh, in what state are you located? I'm located in Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. So uh, the state employs employs a, a you or identifies companies that need you. Well, I work through the um, Voc Rehab Office. And any deaf and hard of hearing client, which meets a counselor there, um, you know, they they are asked if they want to work with a job coach, and they are referred then to me if they um, want a job coach. So I help them. Hmm. And what's I your work background? with the state. And what's your background, My Bobby? Well, I have a background in the mental health field. I worked there for 23 years, and I worked for a mental health center as a case manager for a group home, and then I worked as a director for the last 13 years. And so I have a combination of 23 years uh, experience. Um, And then I also worked for five years um, at FedEx. Um, and then as of January, I'm I'm back at working in this field again as a job coach. And I'm, I'm learning a great deal as I've um, come along this journey. You know, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of deaf clients that are frustrated because a lot of the employers don't know what to do in working with deaf clients, and they don't understand the communication process um, and the fact that they have to provide accommodations such as a sign language interpreter. So that makes uh, quite a challenge. Well, if uh, if I'm a small business and someone comes to me for a job, are you saying that in Indiana I cannot re um, uh, refuse to hire them because they're deaf? No, you're not. You should be hiring them, even if they are deaf. If if you're a small business, though, um, you might not be able to afford to pay for any accommodations that might be necessary, such as an interpreter, and that is a reality with some small businesses. It's a very big reality. But before we go any further, what is the uh, the real title for this week? Uh, uh, hearing impaired. Um, I got the the name wrong. 
Okay, well, we don't use hearing impaired within the deaf community. We use deaf or hard of hearing. Well, what is the uh, uh, the week, uh, this week, uh, called? International Deaf Week, I believe. Ah, uh, okay. Really, uh, actually, uh, this, this whole month is Deaf Awareness Month. Ah, uh, that's what I'm... Uh, see, that's what I uh, misunderstood. So it's Deaf Awareness uh, Month, uh, and it's something we, we should all be uh, um, very cognizant of. But this program is uh, centered on small businesses. Fifty-nine percent of our audience are presidents and or um, uh, owners. But but what are the uh, advantages to hiring a a, a person? who's deaf or hearing impaired uh, or, or with hearing problems in your view? Well, companies that hire deaf or hard of hearing individual can get a tax break because if you're um, paying for accommodations, such as an interpreter, um, you can use that. The, the, the funding that you've, that you've used, you can write that off. And also, some, tr some train using um, video with captionings, so they would need something like that. Um, and if not, then a sign language interpreter would be ne needed in order for your deaf employee to understand. We're talking with Bobby Lemire. Um, she's a, a consultant to help companies with deaf or uh, hearing impaired um, individuals uh, find employment and uh, be accommodated within the, the workplace. Well, uh, Bobby, uh, we're really ha happy to hear you, hear from you, and our audience should be aware that the silence is the fact that she's uh, calling in, and between her and myself is a, a sign interpreter. So the the silence as you hear between is she's seeing the question uh, being translated to sign. Uh, t tell me, Bobby. Uh, uh, what successes have you had? Can you give us an example of some person you've been able to help in this area? Um, well, I mentioned FedEx earlier. There are a lot of deaf employees that work for Federal Express. Um, and Federal Express is, is likely to hire more deaf people um, because they are hard workers. Um, there's a hub in my area. There's about 65 employees that are de deaf, and that right there is a success story in and among itself. They're able to see how you know deaf people um, can work there, and because you know they're not easily distracted. 
they really focus on their work. They do hire a sign language interpreter for meetings and such, which is the success story. That sounds that sounds really really interesting, um, especially in today's world where distribution is one of the key components now of uh, sales and retail, etc. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? How did do you know how Federal Express got started doing that, or any other details? Actually, I don't know how they got started, but I do remember a story from uh, way back. One of the women that worked at FedEx, um, who was an interpreter, um, there was others that were really enjoyed working with the interpreter, and they decided to hire more deaf people there. And that was a probably a twenty around twenty years ago. So now there's a lot more uh, employees that are deaf working in FedEx. You know, uh, I I think we have uncovered a, a story that maybe uh, is, uh, has been ignored. I never knew that about uh, Federal Express, and I know a lot about that company. It's very interesting. Um, Bobby, can you uh, tell us, uh, obviously one thing is they're not easily distracted, but are there other reasons uh, um, why deaf people uh, can, can make better, equal or better employees? There are a lot of deaf people out there that really need jobs, and they are going to work hard in order to get a job and keep that job, and that's one of the main reasons. They they really value employment, and FedEx offers part-time jobs, and um, with that, there are a, a large group of deaf or hard-of-hearing people that are on um, Social Security and um, they can work part-time and still draw their Social Security. Um, the, the sad thing is is that there aren't a lot of full-time jobs with benefits, so they are forced to work part-time. Um, and so FedEx does have a lot of positions in which deaf people can fill um, full and part-time. And that's one of the benefits. Well, working when you work with a person looking for a job, do you tell them to say up front in their resume that they're deaf, or do you uh, try try to get them to the interview and then tell them? Um, well, we don't put that on the resume. They most likely will call for an interview. If you put down deaf, a lot of times, um, sadly, that some of the em employers will put that, toss that uh, application aside or that resume aside. 
So we, we do tell clients not to put on the resume that they're deaf or hard of hearing because that has nothing to do with their ability to work. And we mm -hmm. want that to, to treat deaf people the same as other people because deaf people can do anything. The only thing they can't do is hear. Well, that's, that's very true. Uh, I know that. But um, uh, it, it's an awful burden on a company to be forced once they hire someone to hire someone alongside them to uh, um, pro provide interpretation. Um, um, I, I guess my question to you is uh, 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 what types of programs are available to help smaller businesses um, uh, uh, find the funding for, for that extra person? You can af apply for a tax credit. Um, if you have, if you're a small business with less than 15 people um, under your business, then you can get this tax credit. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, do you have a website for yourself or, or any uh, websites you suggest our audience should be li listening to or going to? Related to the tax credit, you mean? Well, no, just related to inform more information um, about uh, uh, hiring deaf people, knowing more about it, and how they can even reach you. Okay, well, you can reach me um, by email at R-L-E-M-E-R-E -E -E at the Tangram Way dot org. And, and the, na the name of your organization? It's Tangram. T A N G R A M. Tangram. Well, and what does that organization do? Well, we're an agency and we help develop mentally disabled people find jobs and suggest um, behavioral consultation and we do life coaching and we manage cases. Uh, we have group homes and apartments for our clients. It uh, sounds very interesting. Um, I, I guess I, my next question, um, uh, which I, uh, I as a layman am always interested in, um, uh, group homes are often um, in, in many communities here in New York where having difficulty are uh, always um, a stigma and seem to uh, seem to affect home uh, home values around them. How do you deal with that?
Well, we don't really publicize that it's a group home within the community because the house looks like a typical house in the in the community. And so people don't really notice that. Um, and that way we do have less stigma. Um, apartments usually have two or three staff and that that um, is, you know, it's easy to see that they're not, they look more normal than, than some place that has, um, you know, a group home. It's more private. But are you group homes for uh, 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 people with handicapped or are you group home? What types of group, group homes do you do? We work with um, developmentally disabled persons. Yeah, which is, uh, we we have rel uh, relatives on my wife's side who uh, had a, had a, a young, unfortunate baby. Uh, 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 brilliant! Uh, what happened? Her uh, water water broke, and they didn't have uh, immediately uh, uh, have uh, have the birth, and they sent her home in all kinds of trouble. And and they've spent the last twenty one years raising him, and they just um, uh, actually uh, created their own group home f uh, within the community and then gave it to the community in Port Washington. Um, uh, uh, have you heard of that? Or do, do you start from scratch and say, we're going to develop a group home? Or how does it work? Um, I'm just curious. And I'm sure our audience is as well. We start from scratch. We look for a house and we find one in a community um, and we establish one. Um, and I mean, it looks like any of the other houses within that com community. Um, and we've been in business since 1979 doing it this way. My, almost 50, no, almost 40 years. Congratulations. Right. Um, yeah, thank uh, you. Um, we we believe the clients should work within the community and not in a sheltered workshop. I, uh, I totally totally agree. Um, it's uh, you know it's very very interesting. What are, what are some uh, to you success stories? in your uh, years um, of doing this for you personally? Personally, I did have a client that lived in a group home for a very long time. We were working with this client on independent living skills, and they were able to transition to an apartment and be independent, uh, where they would only have a case manager visit with them once or twice a month. And I consider that as a success. It doesn't happen that often that a client would become completely independent. So I consider this definitely a success story. 
Oh, I'm sure everybody else will agree. Um, where do you get your funding from? Tangram is actually under United Way. Oh. Well, you know, you you know, we we always see the signs for United Way, but we never know where our money goes on specific cases. We just hope it is. Um, uh, so so here, here's one example where where it does help. Um, it, it, you know, you've devoted your life to other uh, to other people. It, can you tell us some, some other things? Um, that you you want that you're thinking of that you've done that pe- people should know about. Um, well, in the, within the mental health field and uh, developmental dis- disabilities field. Really, it's hard to find good service for um, deaf and hard of hearing clients within that sector. But um, there are a few within Indiana. There's not that many. It would be nice if we had a social worker here that could sign. I mean, the social workers would be able to expand their field helping like um you know working with people with various um situations because counselors well, only work with certain populations so it's really hard it's a hard job we're we're getting towards the end of our interview but but I guess my question what can um small businesses and business in general do to help you, uh, you, your efforts you know, in Indiana or across the country? It would be nice if they would uh, hire deaf and hard of hearing people. Um, you know, demonstrate patience. They have a variety of tools that they can use, whiteboards, um, paper and pencil, uh, and even they could learn some sign language. And if you are having a meeting, hire an interpreter. Um, Definitely use patience. And the top manager needs to work with them. and make sure that they are working with the upper level, you know, for a co- cohesive way of working with the deaf person. That way they're all in it, work as a team together. Well, I hear what you're saying. Um, your, your, uh, your, your company again and how people can reach you? The name of the company is Tangram, 
And you can email me at R-L-E-M-E-R-E at the Tangram Way dot org. Thank you so much for being with us, Bobby. It, it's been a, a, a real interesting uh, journey for us. Thank you so much. Thank you for interviewing me, interviewing me and um, have a good day. Thank you. Have a you too. Life is made up of the simple day-to-day moments that keep us all running on full, full of joy, passion, and restlessness. It's singing full on to your car radio with the windows wide open. It's a whole bunch of early morning rush hours and a few late night runs for Rocky Road. It's full of pit stops and drive throughs It's life, and we live it between fill-ups at Valero. Valero top-tier certified quality fuel keeps your engine running cleaner, better, and longer. Find a station near you at ValeroCleanGas.com. Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2HSA.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit cost. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2HSA.com. That's 2HSA.com. Well, that was one of the most interesting interviews I've had in a long time. Bobby Lemire is a deaf person, and she's helping other deaf persons uh, find employment success. It's uh, it's part, I guess, uh, of what makes America great, how much we help uh, each other in our times of adversity, especially in the recent um, uh, uh, happenings in Florida and Texas. Um, I saw an interesting cartoon the other day. It said uh, a a Texan went from being a a gun-toting KKK member to being a a rescue hero. We're we're waiting for our next next guest from Wallet Hub here to discuss uh, the cities and states with the highest and lowest uh, uninsured rates, but um, she's also coming from that area, and it, it might be that she uh, oh, she's not going to make it today. Mm-hmm. It's really an interesting time. We'll give her one more minute to appear. Ah, here she is. Hello there. Is this Jill from Wallet Hub? How are yes. you? I'm good. Uh, welcome How are to. You? Pretty good. Um, Jill, uh, tell us your last name, your title, and what you do, and a little bit about, about Wallet Hub. 
Sure, I'm Jill Gonzalez. I'm an analyst at WalletHub, and WalletHub is a personal finance website that's really geared toward consumers, helping them make the most educated financial decisions and know a little bit financially about the world and policy issues that they possibly can. Okay, and uh, of your website? Yes, website is wallethub.com. Wow. Oh, this is radio. Please uh, spell it out. Sure. W-A-L-L-E-T-H-U-B dot com. Okay. You, you, um, you have many surveys. You do many things. But you have one recently about uh, uh, the, the cities and states with the most and the least um, uninsured uh, pe- people. Can you give us kind of a summary of that? and uh, what you draw from that? Absolutely. So obviously having health insurance is not only vital to the well-being of you, your family, but also your wallet. So we looked into out-of-pocket medical expenses, a lot of things that really lead to the cause of personal bankruptcy in the U.S. And we did see that the uninsured rate for all Americans dipped to a historic low of about 8.6%. That was the first three months of 2016. Now, however, it's back on the rise this year. It continues to vary dramatically across states. So we looked into this year, not only at the overall uninsured rates, we also broke it down, though, by age, race, and income level. And, and from that, what have you drawn? What have, have you drawn any conclusions from that? Well, you know, this is a quantitative study, so it's purely just the numbers here. We see that the states with the lowest uninsured rates are places like Massachusetts, Vermont, Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, and Hawaii, all in the top ten there as well. Places with the highest uninsured rates still. Alaska is one, Texas is one, Oklahoma, Florida. So we do see that a lot of southern states tend to be more uninsured. Really a lot of red states tend to be more uninsured than blue states. And a lot of that has to do with the Medicaid expansion or lack thereof. Well, um, um, obviously uninsured is a very controversial uh, topic. But um, it, it was my original uh, impression that um, the, the uninsured tended to skew to younger people because they thought themselves in, uh, immortal, the, uh, and also they uh, um, they thought they would never never get sick. Uh, are you still finding that a case, or are other factors uh, uh, changing that demographic? I think it's definitely other factors here. I mean, we didn't break this down by generation. We do have it, the children's uninsured rate and the adults' uninsured rate. Obviously, children 18 and younger are not going to be out in the workforce purchasing their own insurance, so that would kind of be an, a dissension of the adults. Uh, but we also looked at this racially, where we see huge number variations, and I think most of it comes down to income levels. We just divide this by low income and high income, and low income households, obviously, uninsured rates are exponentially higher than high. 
Well, isn't theoretically a, a, a Obamacare, the ACA Act, supposed to um, level that out by uh, reducing the the uh, financial burden? It is, and it has. So we see, are seeing huge changes in uninsured rate going back to 2010. Uh, some states almost by 20% in a change in uninsured rates, specifically for low-income households. So we have seen the number got gotten a lot better dramatically from 2010. It still does have a lot more to go, though. And in 2017, we've been seeing people less motivated to enroll, uh, less aware of how to enroll, I think because marketing numbers have dropped so substantially. So unfortunately, we've seen the uninsured rate raise across the board, especially for low-income households. Well, let me say, I'm sorry, I was... Um, 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 are you saying that the uninsured rate increased um, in 2017 because people became uh, less um, uh, aware of it, or did I not hear you correctly? I apologize if I did. Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. So it was at an all-time low in 2016, and now it's started to creep up again. So, um, would you draw any conclusions from, from from this from your study? Have you that would help our audience uh, understand what's happening? Yeah, I mean, overall, the ACA has dramatically dropped the uninsured rate. I think is the main conclusion to draw here. By how much, it definitely differs from state to state. The Medicaid expansion or lack thereof within each state, I think plays the biggest role in how much their uninsured rate has changed. But across the board, the uninsured rate in every state has dropped from 2010. But it, but it hasn't – well, the, the ACA was supposed to eliminate, eliminate it uh, almost entirely. Obviously, it hasn't. Um, why do you think that that's the case? I think that certain states do more to get their residents enrolled under ACA. I think canvassing, marketing efforts, et cetera. I mean, under the ACA, each state essentially has its own marketplace. Some do, some don't. Those that do, the marketing efforts are kind of up to them in so much as how they're getting people to enroll, how they're getting awareness about this, about open enrollment, et cetera. So I think that really does fall to the state. You have a state like Massachusetts that now has an uninsured rate of under 2%. So that almost has negated it completely. So I think certain states are definitely leading by example in so much as how they're getting their residents to enroll. It's interesting. It's a delicate subject that I want to um, tiptoe around it because uh, this is a show that uh, is designed to elicit information, not to cram it down people's uh, uh, throat. But a state like Texas, which, uh, if I recall correctly, you said had a high, higher uninsured rate. Why do you think that's the case? Well, Texas did not expand Medicaid, and I think that has the most to do with it. Texas also has a very high 
level of Hispanics that are still uninsured. There's a very high amount of low-income individuals that are still uninsured. About one in four low-income households do not have insurance. So that's a huge number, you know, and that's something that Texas, I think, is still grappling with. Overall, the state has lowered its uninsured rate by 7%, which is still above the national average, actually. But obviously it has more underserved populations that still need help accessing and enrolling within the ACA. Um, um, uh, uh, listening to you, um, and, and your figures, and it's not you, it's obviously interpreting the figures. Um, lo, lo, Low-income individuals have a tendency not to to get insur- uh, health insurance, even though it, it's been reduced to a, a very low level, uh, um, relatively speaking. Am I hearing that correctly? Correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, you know. Um, uh, uh, I, I go back to Abe Lincoln. God surely must have loved the poor people. He made enough of them. Um, and uh, being poor has its drawbacks. Um, if the if the, 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 the this is strictly a question you don't have to answer. Uh, if you read the latest proposal from Bernie Sanders. He's in effect saying universal health care at no cost. Do you think that would eliminate the uninsured? I think so. I I think that's essentially what universal health care means. So I think, you know, even countries very close to us, Canada's a great example, uh, countries all over the developed world have – essentially a system very similar to that or some type of health care that is provided for all citizens. So I think that was the idea here, kind of the ACA being a building block to that, to compete with our peer nations. Okay, which is the correlator. Let me ask you, do you think the quality of health care overall would go up or down under that system? That's a great question. That's a question that still necessarily hasn't been answered under the ACA either. I think that insurance has to work with doctors, obviously, with hospital systems, with emergency room systems, and then with big pharmaceuticals, which is an entirely new ball game, right? So I think that that's something that is pretty under control in a lot of these other countries. But because Healthcare is such a business in the United States. I think that's why quality would suffer. I think making it less of a business and more of a service is really the key. It's, it represents one sixth of our GNP, if the experts. But but uh, well, a, a question for you is: sixty um, percent um, of all the new drugs developed in the world over the last 20 years have come out of the United States alone. Do you think that would um, that ratio would, would uh, continue uh, if we went to a one-party system? 
Absolutely. One, uh, so we're talking about research and development versus health insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how would the? So I don't. I don't but how would one the, has more of effect on the on the other? Hmm. Well, um, um, how do you see pharmaceuticals uh, operating under uh, a uh, a one payer system? I think that's a great question. Again, I think we're 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 seeing lawsuits and multiple types of abuse in the pharmaceutical industry. But I again don't necessarily think that that would be hugely impacted by the health insurance coverage now. Um, I mean, it would be interesting to see what bills provide for that. I think it's impossible to speculate now, though. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm curious. Is 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 uh, this whole healthcare area? If nothing else, um, the ACA has. Um, um, opened up so many uh, doors to so many questions, and, and uh, questions to me are always a, a breath of fresh air that we should all share. Um, but uh, uh, and, and your uh, your views are very good. Uh, have you done other surveys that our our small business audience might be interested in knowing about? Uh, we actually have entire studies just for small business, where to start one, where it might be better statewide or even citywide to start one and gain access to capita. So those are certainly things that you can also see on WalletHub.com. Yeah. Well, um, while you're here, if I may ask, what are, do you know what are the best cities to start a small business on, uh, off of your uh, studies? I would have to uh, access those files. It might take me a little, but that's certainly an interview that I would be happy to schedule. Okay. Well, uh, Jill, we're really happy to have you. Uh, Can you tell uh, our audience where they can see all of these surveys um, uh, again and, uh, uh, and your name and how you can be reached? Yes. Jill Gonzalez, you can reach me at media at WalletHub.com, and WalletHub.com is where you can see all the rest of our studies. You've been a wonderful guest, and really thank you so much for being with us. I know I learned a lot, and I hope our audience did as well. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great, and remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce.